Welcome to Module 6 of New Frontier in the Co-Management of Thyroid Eye Disease. In Module 5, we examined the recent clinical da data for tepertubumab, which was approved as a first FDA-approved medication for thyroid eye disease in 2020. Dr. Lee, to what extent is external beam radiation still being used as your go-to for patients with thyroid eye disease? How has the new FDA approval changed your paradigms? Yeah, thanks, Kim. So I'll talk first about how the fact that orbital radiation is a bit controversial. I think it has been for a while and still remains to be controversial. But the rationale for its use is really twofold. So first of all, the nonspecific anti-inflammatory effect that um, orbital radiation has. And then secondly, the radiosensitivity of the lymphocytes that invade into the orbit so that's really the thought process for how that works and why some providers still use it. Um, the results of studies are a bit mixed. I think there were probably three main pivotal trials on orbital radiation, and one showed no benefit, and one showed benefit. And so there were, I think because of that mixed result and the lack of controlled trials really you know, feeds into the controversy of whether we should use this. Um, Traditionally, and I think what people mostly do is when they treat their patients with orbital radiation, it's a total of 20 gray, and that's split in a two-week session. So the patient gets two gray Monday through Friday for two weeks, so five days and five days. And the benefit of that is that it treats those orbital fibroblasts, but is still under the radar to minimize side effects. So the side effects being cataracts, retinopathy. So retinopathy usually occurs when you get to 35 gray and above, and then optic neuropathy, which can occur usually at a little bit higher doses. So something like 50 gray or above. So with orbital radiation for thyroid eye disease, we're sort of flying under that uh, side effect profile at 20 gray. If you decide to treat your patients with orbital radiation, I think that patient selection is very important. So the best responders based on clinical trials have tended to be those patients with early, active, progressive, moderate to severe disease. Um, and you wanna make sure, so the, the patients with the active disease responded better, although the patients with longstanding disease also had some improvement. And they had um, improvement, especially in diplopia and extraocular motility. If you treat your patients, you wanna make sure that they don't have severe hypertensive or diabetic retinopathy, because of course the risk of, of exacerbating that. Um, and then the recommendation is to choose patients who are um, greater than 35 years old because of the risk of carcinogenesis. So that's kind of the lowdown on orbital radiotherapy, but I'd like to hear more about um, decompression and let's get into some of the surgical options for thyroid eye disease. So Dr. Douglas, can you tell us more about um, orbital decompression for thyroid eye disease? Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Lee. So Orbital decompression surgery, just to the field itself, has dramatically changed over many years, especially over the last five to 10 years that, that we've been operating. Typically in the past, this was a deforming, just surgery that left people with, with 
you know, arguably only slightly better improvement after the surgery than, than before, often with intractable double vision, torsional double vision, and uh, not a very good cosmetic outcome either. More recently, though, orbital decompression techniques, uh, especially minimally invasive surgery, have really dramatically improved the outcomes, both uh, the reduction of adverse events, which would be primarily double vision or any vision-threatening adverse events, but also improvement of the predictability of proptosis reduction, improvement in the pain pressure that's often associated with this disease, and improvement of their aesthetic function, you know, that the patients can now resume their normal life. Now, the, the surgery is still not for everyone. There are defined risks of this surgery. So coming back to the heterogeneity of this disease and, and putting the risk and benefits into context for every different patient, it has to be discussed with patients what this surgery will achieve and whether they really even want to achieve a reduction in proptosis or they mind their appearance as it is. And so really patient selection comes down to the first subject and that is defining our goals of therapy. What really does the patient want? And, that, and then that can also dramatically affect the amount of surgery that we do. The more surgery that we do in a graded fashion, the more potential there is for complications or for some untoward effects such as double vision, which will then require another surgery. But so these are all very important discussion points with the patient. I do a lot of orbital decompressions, but we never skip this discussion process of defining exactly what we want to achieve. Orbital decompression, as far as timing, is 95% done in what we would consider the non-progressive, stable phase, at least three to six months at minimum, where there's no where there's no change, no increase in proptosis, no changing double vision. And this is because often this surgery can either promote a reactivation, or if this disease continues to progress, we will have to come back and do the surgery again. So that's important. 5% of the time, it's an urgency. There, there may be an urgency to do this for vision-threatening disease, and that's kind of a special case. The overall efficacy and safety, as I've kind of alluded to, is, is dramatically improved over time. Um, I know that in, in your hands also, Dr. Lee. And, and the safety now, I think we can re represent this to patients who have mild to moderate, I mean, moderate to severe disease. Again, still the patients with mild disease are usually um, can be helped much with supportive therapy and also some of the other, other therapies. And, uh, you know, Dr. Lee, what other surgical options do you often consider uh, in the, this heterogeneous group of patients? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and, you know, the surgery for thyroid eye disease, you know, we have a recommended staging of surgeries. Um, so it starts with orbital surgery, so orbital decompression. And then if the patients need it, then they would go on to strabismus surgery. And then lastly, eyelid surgery. And that's because we know orbital decompression can affect the position of the muscles and the um, ability for the eye to move. And then you go and fix the muscles. The muscle surgery can affect the position of the eyelid, as, as you well know. So that's our staging. The staging would be orbit, then muscles, then eyelid. So as far as strabismus surgery, I think that, and I, I often send my patients after I've decompressed them, if they still have a little bit of diplopia, 
to a strabismus surgeon because they can fine tune and adjust the muscles if need be. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of, of non-surgical options like prisms. But um, so after decompression, I would send them to the strabismus surgeon. And then as far as eyelid surgeries, I think we have different things we can do. Actually, there are so many different surgeries on the eyelid that we could do for thyroid eye, eye patients, including, so once they're stable from the other orbital aspect, um, you know, we know that eyelid retraction is probably the most common thing. So things like blepharotomies to drop the eyelid, um, even raising the lower eyelid to correct lower eyelid retraction using a stent if needed, like a hard palate graft or an implant. I think that dramatically helps the patient's appearance and it helps the patient's protection of the eye, obviously, and helps distribute the um, tear film across the ocular surface, which is super important. So eyelid retraction surgery, eyelid tightening. Sometimes in, in uh, rare cases, we have to do a tarsorophy um, just to protect that corneal surface, even sometimes before the, the decompression or after, just until it heals and the eyelid recess, uh, the eye recesses a bit to protect that corneal surface. Um, you know, and then, and then there's a blepharoplasty. So for the patients who are totally stable, they're euthyroid, um, they're kind of out of the woods, but they still have that fat prolapse and that fullness in their lids, then I would say we can move on to take some of that fat out, do a blepharoplasty. So those are all different options, surgical options for the muscles and the eyelid that can be applied toward um, thyroid patients. Great. And, and, and I think those are, are great points. I mean, you know, we often think about, um, you know, we've classified these treatments into surgical and pharmacologic and even radiation, et cetera. But I think that the paradigm is shifting. For the first time, we have tepratumumab, which is a pharmacologic agent that doesn't just improve the symptoms and sign, but actually improves the double vision and proptosis. Mm -hmm. Two things that were completely limited to the surgery armamentarium. And for the first time, we have a pharmacologic option that improves symptomatology, disease activity, and potentially improves the end result, that proptosis and double vision that we thought we could only achieve you know, surgically. You know, it's interesting, orbital, you know, radiation in particular, I, I, I always think that, you know, the only reason it's existed for so long is because we didn't have anything else. And so I, I predict in the next year or two, we hopefully won't be talking about orbital radiation because there's scant, if any, little real evidence that it actually does anything. And, and for glucocorticoids also, there's no evidence in large trials that it reduces proptosis. So I do think that we're now are, are really beginning to look at our options in this changing landscape of both pharmacologic options that overlap into our world of surgery, uh, into the ophthalmology. So it's an absolutely, and, and I think you bring up a really important point is that we've discussed these um, these treatment options in modules, but I think that combination therapy. Um, as is true for many things in medicine, is really the key. Just like combination um, team approaches to these patients, combination therapy, surgical and non-surgical, um, really work together symbiotically nicely. Great. Dr. Cockerham? 
you ready to wrap up? So that's our final module, module six, talking about the therapeutics. I wanna thank so much my colleagues, Dr. Lee, Dr. Smith, Dr. Douglas. It was a fun discussion. So just to wrap it up, what do we know? We know thyroid eye disease is a rare disease, but more common than you think. If you look for it, you'll see it. We know that thyroid eye disease has an incredible impact, a psychosocial impact that can result in depression, anxiety, lifelong impact on employability and relationships. We know that up until now, we really were relying on primarily surgery and corticosteroids, which have a lot of side effects, and that we now have something new, a new tool in the toolbox. And I completely agree, it's just a tool in the toolbox. It's not gonna replace the toolbox, but it's an exciting, very exciting addition. And also with its entree into the market, Hopefully they'll be more interested in orbit and orbital disease and that many of these other uh, medications will be coming forward as other options to be in our toolbox. But thyroid eye disease is complex and I think the take home, whether you're an endocrinologist, a general ophthalmologist, an oculoplastic surgeon, is just look, look, listen. These patients will tell you how much this impacts them. And then think about, you know, tailoring the approach to the patient's concerns and communicate. If in doubt, refer, refer to an oculoplastic surgeon. If you're an endocrinologist, we refer to the endocrinologists and we all work as a team. But thank you so much for the whole team today. Um, it was really fun to interface with everyone. I'll be glad when we're in actual in-person instead of Zoom, but thanks so much.